resistance, burnout, procrastination, sleepless nights, stress, and painful hard work. Fatigued from running on the high achiever hamster wheel? This is the Bold Leadership Revolution, where we develop high-performing leaders to live, thrive, and lead bold and smart, not hard. Here is your host, Tara Newman. Hey, hey there, bold leaders. We are here today with a brand new episode of the Bold Leadership Revolution podcast, and I am your host, Tara Newman. And the reason why I say a brand new episode is because for the last three months since COVID-19 has hit, we have scaled back on episodes and we have been going kind of every other week, and I haven't been in my normal and consistent flow of recording podcast episodes, but we are back now. I am in the studio, we are getting these episodes batched, we are creating new content for you, and we are going to be rolling forward with some of probably the most exciting content that I can think of as I'm aligning more with my truth and my purpose in the world. We're going to be talking about more about money, we're going to be talking about more about business growth, we're going to be talking more about how to manage your energy and your mindset and the strategy of being a leader and a business owner. And I'm excited. As long as you, my dear listeners, don't mind the potential possible background noise from a child, because my kids are still home with me, and if you're a mom or a dad who works from home, I know you feel me. I know you feel me. So that has been the other thing that I've been trying to navigate and work around is like, when am I recording these episodes and what's going on with the kids and distance learning and all that stuff. But here we are, school is out and we are jumping full force back into podcast episodes. And today we are talking about the five things you must know about profit first. Now, why are we talking about profit first? aside from the fact that it's awesome. So we're talking about profit first because one, it has made a huge difference in my life and in my business. And I will tell you that story in a minute. And two, we're talking about profit first because when coronavirus hit, I looked at where I was investing my money, where I knew that that was a time for me and I had been planning for potential recessive economy for a while. I didn't know it was going to happen at the time it did. I didn't know that it was going to happen the way it did. I'm not that much of a mythical being where I have that line of sight in the world, but I knew something was brewing and I knew something was coming. And in that moment, I knew, because we had been planning for it, that I was going to really double down on my skills and the value that I bring to my clients. And so when coronavirus happened, I'd already had plans to do this, but I went forward and I'm getting certified as a profit-first professional. Because I believe so much in the profit-first system, but I also believe that when you believe in something and you use it and then you want to teach it and coach on it, that you should do it with integrity. And so getting this certification for me feels very much in integrity. I mean, sure, there are lots of coaches out there that whip open the book to page 63, I think it is, I'm not even 100% sure, where Mike Michalowicz lays out his allocations in a chart, and they say, okay, here are the allocations that Mike Michalowicz talks about in the book, but I really wanted to go deeper and really 
make this a huge part of my business and the coaching and the work I do with my clients because profit is important. Your livelihood as a business owner is critical. And this system has really had a tremendous impact on my life. The first time I heard about it was when the book first came out. I didn't even read it. My husband read it. And I don't think that I was... I don't think I had my own business yet at that point. I think it might've come out the year before I started my business and I dismissed it because it was talking about money and I was talking about finance and that was not an area that I was at all confident in. I am a woman who, even though I'm Gen X, from the very first day I had a job, a real job. I mean, I had, I've been working since I was 15, but when I got my first job after college, I pretty much moved in with my husband, who was then my boyfriend. And I just handed all my money over to him, even before we were married. We were living together. We just pulled our money together. We paid expenses that way. And I'm really embarrassed, actually, to say that now. And you know, it gives me a lot of pause. And it also gives me a really great understanding about how women may not feel as confident with their money and the steps that they can take to really become a financial powerhouse and develop a level of financial prowess that is needed for women today. So my story, I handed all my money from my first paychecks over to my boyfriend, wasn't even my husband, that took a lot of trust, I guess. And he paid all our bills. He did all the things. I didn't really feel like I was good at math. I didn't feel like I was good at numbers. And so I avoided the book for a while. And then it was two years ago that I was sitting at a mastermind retreat. This was a mastermind that I was participating in. And I was making more money than I had ever made before, probably in my life, because even in corporate, yeah, I was making more money than I was even making in corporate in terms of revenue. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean take-home pay, but... I was responsible for navigating a lot of dollars and I didn't know how I was going to get to this retreat. I had to pay for the hotel. I had to pay for some meals. And even though I was making more money than I had ever made before, I didn't have any cash. I didn't have cash flow. And I felt like fraud. I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I was exhausted from always having to be checking my bank account balances and wondering where I was in terms of my cash flow for any given month. And at this point, and I sat in this mastermind, I sat in a group of women who were all running, you know, multi six-figure businesses like I was. And I said, I don't have any cash in the bank. Like I'm living from check to check. And that's really important because 83% of small business owners operate check to check. And when you operate check to check, that creates lots of chaos and stress for your business and you, the business owner, and it spirals down to impact your employees or your contractors, your clients, and your family. It's super distracting to always be worrying about where the cash is. Being in a state of feast or famine is a huge drain on your energy, your time, and your focus. And so That is why I'm so passionate about having this conversation today. And we're going to start right at the starting point, right at square one. As I'm going through these certification, the certification, I'm going to be bringing this knowledge to you and my clients. And so this is really where I wanted to start us. So 83% of small business owners operate check to check. I just shared that two years ago, I was operating check to check. I had multiple six figures in revenue coming in, but that's different than having cash flow and 
cash in the bank. So it also puts you, not only does it put you in feast and famine and it puts you a lot of stress on your employees and your contractors and your clients and your family and your business, it puts you in a reactive sales position where you will sell anything to anyone because you need money now. It doesn't give you the resources to slow down and grow your business intentionally. And you really get stuck hustling for short-term cash instead of laying the foundation for long-term revenue. And that's really the point that we want to get in. Now, if you're in the beginning stages of your business, yeah, there's hustling for cash. Like That's just what happens. But before you even start, we can start mapping out the amount of money that you need to get to the profit that you need to get to the pay that you want to take to get to the expenses that you're going to have on your business. So we want to be in a proactive position and we want to take that reactivity off of you that really throws you into hustle mode. We want you to slow down and we want you to grow your business really intentionally. Now, I'm going to be talking about the five things you must know about profit first because there are a lot of myths. I find there are a lot of myths around profit first. And some of the big myths that I hear are you have to be further along to make profit. That is untrue. The path to more profit is through more sales. Very, very, very much untrue. And running a profitable business is hard. That is also untrue. Running a profitable business brings you a tremendous amount of ease. Now, you can start to plan for profit with your first sale. As a matter of fact, I had a call the other week. Someone booked an hour call with me to put a profit plan in place, and they haven't even started the business yet. They wanted to talk through whether or not this was viable, if they projected this in sales, what that would look like in terms of how much they had to invest in the business for their expenses, how much they would be able to take as pay, what their profit would be, what should they do with the profit in the early days of starting a business. So you don't even have to have a business to be talking about how you're going to be profiting. Because if you're not profitable, then throwing more revenue at your business is just going to give you unprofitable revenue. And instead of generating healthy and sustainable profit that you really want. So I'm so passionate about helping business owners create more wealth for themselves and others that I've been working really diligently at completing my Profit First certification. And today I want to share some of the magic that is the Profit First system. So I want to talk about some misconceptions. We talked about myths around profit in general, but then there are a couple of misconceptions about profit first. Now, the two biggest misconceptions that I hear are that it's about the bank accounts and it's about the percentages. That's like the biggest misconception that if you have the bank accounts and you take the percentages from page, I don't know, I think it's 63 in the book, but don't hold me to that then you're implementing profit first. And that's actually completely untrue, in my opinion, because you bypass what profit first actually is, which is a way to create financial behavior change and habits that are based on the research of the book and those fundamental tenets, which don't get talked about nearly as much because everybody focuses on the bank accounts and the percentages. So I'm not talking about the bank accounts and percentages today. In Profit First, in case you don't know anything about Profit First, Profit First has five bank accounts, your revenue account, your profit account, your CEO pay account, your tax account, and your expense account. 
So at a minimum, you have five bank accounts in profit first. And then based on your target allocation percentages that there are guidelines in the book for, but you should work with a certified profit first professional to get your exact percentages as well as to help you implement that over the long term. That's really what you hear people talking about. But today we're going to talk about the five things, the five fundamentals of profit first. And the profit first process is based on a few key concepts that you want to master as must know basic, back to basic things regarding this system. So the first thing that we need to talk about is the profit first formula. And when you do not implement the profit first formula, it is the reason why your cash flow sucks and you feel like you're living check to check. So the GAAP formula, the general account accepted accounting principles, that's GAAP, G-A-A-P, general accepted accounting principles formula for determining a business's profit is sales minus expenses equals profit. I have 100% defined profit this way in the past. It's the way you're taught in any kind of accounting class, in any kind of business class, in anything like that. That's the formula, the popular formula, sales minus expenses equals profit. It's simple, it's logical, and it's clear. And unfortunately, it's a lie. The formula, while logically accurate, does not account for human behavior. In this gap formula, profit is left over, a final consideration, something that is hopefully a nice surprise at the end of the year. That's how Mike Michalowicz talks about it. The profit is rarely there. And some of you might be running businesses right now where you're like, oh yeah, I totally get this. It's a little easier in a service-based business because we have way more wiggle room and way higher profit margins in our businesses. But working with product-based businesses and manufacturing businesses, you know, this a manufacturing business could end the year with millions of dollars in revenue and no profit very easily. I mean, I've seen service-based businesses do this because they've spent all their money on courses and coaches and sales funnels and master classes and all the stuff that the online business space tells you you need to run a business. So oftentimes profit is rarely there and the business continues on its check to check survival. So we don't want to think about profit in terms of sales minus expenses equals profit. We, with profit first, think about it this way. Sales minus profit equals expenses. With the profit first model, you flip the formula to sales minus profit equals expenses. Logically, the math is the same. But from the standpoint of a small business owner's behavior, it's radically different. With profit first, you take a predetermined percentage of profit from every sale first, and only the remainder is available for expenses. So that is really how we get business owners to have cash flow that doesn't suck and to stop living check to check as we prioritize profit. Now, another fundamental piece of profit first is Parkinson's law. Now, some of you have probably heard of Parkinson's law. They talk about it in terms of your 
work will fill the time you allow it. Like, so however much work you have to do will fit the time you allow. So if you allow two weeks to get a project done, it's going to take you two weeks to get a project done. If you allow one week for that same project, it's going to take you one week for the project. So author and historian C. Northcote Parkinson theorized that our demand for a resource increases to meet the supply of it or our work resource expands to the time we give it. So, right, your work and your it will expand to the time you give it. That's why if you sit down with a task list, before you sit down at your desk to do the work, you should give each task an allotted time frame to getting it done. It's even sometimes why Pomodoro works in, in 25-minute increments. So that is why when we're given two weeks to do a project, it takes two weeks. And when we are given eight weeks to do the same project, it takes eight weeks, right? I hope we're all clear on Parkinson's law. That is why when given $1,000 to complete our work, we get it done with $1,000. And when we're given $10,000 to complete the same work, it takes $10,000. Think about if you had a budget to complete, let's say, a website project, And you said, okay, I have $3,000 to invest in my website. You would go and you would find a web developer who would complete the website for $3,000. I know my numbers are wildly off. So for the website developer people who are listening and they're like, it costs so much more than that. I hear you. I'm just using rough numbers. You would have $3,000 to invest in that website. And maybe you'd have to make decisions. Maybe you would have to say, okay, we're not going to redo the whole website. We're going to redo this aspect of the website or this aspect of the website. Or maybe you decide that that's not enough and you're going to save until you get to the point where you have a little more money to make that investment. Whereas if you go into that conversation not knowing how much you have to allocate to the project and you get on a call with a web developer and they say, hey, it's going to cost $10,000 to do this project, you go, oh, well, that's what it's going to cost to do the project. So that's what I'm going to pay and I'm going to pay it now. And then we wind up having cash flow problems down the line. So I'm going to say it again. That is why when given $1,000 to complete our work, we get it done for $1,000. And when given $10,000 to complete the same work, it takes $10,000. Profit first makes Parkinson's law an asset. So we actually take Parkinson's law and make it work for us. By taking profit first, the money available for expenses lessens, and we are forced to find ways to get the same things done for less money or save and have a plan. Have a strategic plan for these investments. Now, the next thing that I want to talk about is a history of success. Admittedly, Mike Michalowicz will tell you profit first is nothing new. And maybe when you heard me talk about the different bank accounts, maybe you had a flashback to your growing up or your family. My dad and my grandparents operated on the envelope system. I don't know if this is like a refugee thing or if your families did the same thing, but I was forever growing up where there was envelopes for different things. So Profit First is basically the envelope system in your business. It is the application of the time-tested and world's greatest financial mechanism, pay yourself first, applied to business ownership. Just as wealthy people know to pay themselves first and then use the remainder for expenses, Profit First teaches us to take our profit first and then use it, the remainder of it for our business. The 401k retirement plan has been the greatest savings mechanism in U.S. history because of its powerful pay-yourself-first premise. So you have your 
401k distribution taken out of your paycheck before you even get it. You're putting away money for retirement and savings before you even get that money in your hand in your check each week. Profit first is already proving to be the greatest profit generating mechanism in the history of business because it's the same powerful principle. So while profit first is nothing new, it is truly unique and it is truly effective. I personally have not had a cash flow issue in two years. I have more than enough cash in my business for two consecutive years, even during coronavirus, even during global civil unrest. Even if I take a month off in my business, the cash is still there because I've planned for it using profit first. Okay, let's talk about bank balance accounting. This is what most small business owners do. Most small business owners have all the reasons to not check their financial statements. They don't want to understand them. It's best not to look at them. They were never taught how. I'm sure some of you are shaking your head. Personally, this happens even with my non-business owner clients and my executive clients who don't want to look at their credit card statements. There's just a huge resistance to seeing what's happening with our money. Most small business owners have never thought about the relationship they want to have with their money and how to cultivate that relationship. How many times have you peeped your checking account through half-squinted eyes and felt like a total failure when you saw a low number in that account? Or maybe you were pleasantly surprised because you had some money you could go spend. This is called bank balance accounting, and it's most likely keeping you in a vicious cycle of scarcity and survival by constantly checking the bank balances and then deciding how much you have to spend or not spend. I have clients all the time, they check their checking account balance, it's low, and they go into scarcity and survival, and they message me that I have no money. Can you tell me more? Like, what do you mean you have no money? Well, there's, I have a really low balance in my account. Well, which account are we talking about you having a low balance in? Well, my checking account, my expense account. I'm like, okay, well, you pay expenses through that account. It passes through. Money comes in, money goes out. The whole point, that's the whole point of the account. So if you have a low balance in your expense account or your checking account, that's actually okay. That's what it's intended for. So really just reframing the way we look at things. Profit First encourages a small business owner to continue bank balance accounting by first allocating money to profit and other accounts so that the small business owner sees the actual portion of deposits that are available for expenses and then automatically adjust their spending accordingly. So you'll still have the ability to look at your bank balances, but there's going to be more clarity there because you're going to have more accounts and you're going to know where the money is in the account and what it's allocated to. Now let's talk about habits. Don't change habits, leverage them. That's what Profit First says. Don't change habits, leverage them. Many small business owners try to force themselves to become better at accounting and to become more disciplined in their fiscal management by pure willpower. But just like a muscle, willpower can be drained. And in a moment of financial stress or bigger than expected expenses, the small business owner will break their own fiscal rules and spend the money they have. The profit first principle does not try to change your habits. 
That's nearly impossible to do. Profit First works with your existing habits. By first allocating money to different accounts and then removing the temptation to borrow from yourself, your business will become fiscally strong and you will benefit from regular profit distributions. So in Profit First, what they have you do to account for this is to take your tax account and your profit account and put it in a separate bank. If you have that behavior of rating your bank accounts, of borrowing from yourself and not paying yourself back, we work with those habits and make it more difficult for you and give you less temptation to borrow. Now, not everybody needs that strategy, but it is there for those who do. Now that you have the basics of profit first, I've kind of given you like the cliff notes to the book here and really what's underneath the whole system that most people just completely bypass and go straight to the accounts and the percentages. So now that you know the basics of Profit First, you can decide if this is something you want to implement in your business. If you are seriously considering implementing Profit First so you can have consistent and stable cash flow, more than enough money to pay your bills and provide for your family and have the peace of mind that most business owners don't have, I want you to book a discovery call with me today to see how we can work together to get you on the path to profit. Together on this call, we can decide if Profit First is the best thing for you to focus on right now. If you enjoy the conversations we have on this show, then join us inside the Brave Society. Brave brings women from a range of industries and fields into one room for peer learning, impactful hosted training, support, and an incredible community. We do things differently in the Brave Society. The conversations in the group are powerful, transformative, and incredibly valuable for business growth, as well as your own leadership development. And those trainings I mentioned, some are led by me and others are peer-led. The peer-led trainings are paid trainings by us. It's our way of reinvesting into the community. None of this free guest expert stuff. We support women paying women. Inside of the Brave Society, you will have three live calls per month. One is training and discussion focused, and the other two are CEO debriefs with me in which we share our wins and insights so we can all learn from each woman in the room. Research shows that support groups are critical for the success of female leaders. The unique challenges we face as women require us to be able to hold an emotional and strategic container that allows us to foster the resiliency needed to lead in your business and your life. When you are surrounded by a diverse group of peers, your network intelligence grows exponentially. Now, The main objection I hear from women like you is, am I good enough to take a seat at the table with these women? And let me tell you what I've learned over the last two years running the Brave Society. You are good enough. So join us and find out for yourself. If you found this podcast valuable, help us develop more bold leaders in the world by sharing this episode with your friends, colleagues, and other bold leaders. Also, if you haven't done so already, please leave a review. I consider reviews like podcast currency, and it's the one thing you can do to help us out here at the Bold Leadership Revolution HQ. We would be so grateful for it. Special thanks goes to Stacey Harris from Uncommonly More, who is the producer and editor of this podcast. Go check them out for all your digital marketing and content creation needs. Be sure to tune into the next episode to help you embrace your ambition and leave the grind behind. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Bold Leadership Revolution podcast. This episode has ended, but our work continues online. Head over to theboldleadershiprevolution.com where you'll find links to any resources mentioned in today's episode, along with other valuable tips and information that will help you lead bold. That's theboldleadershiprevolution.com. 